Hey, we're the warning. And you're listening to The Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. Keep rocking, everybody. Woo! Grandpa Wilbur was the first to be saved. He traveled the country playing on the church stage. They passed the hat. That was all he was paid. He was a dying breed. Long before his day. Another edition of the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. I'm excited about this episode. Going to get into it in a little bit. Before I begin, I always mention we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts, something for everybody, every fan of different genres, different types of podcasts that people find interesting. And you know, we've got an almost famous movie clip where it discusses every scene in the movie almost famous so that floats your boat go check that out as well as my friends tom and zeus and the shout out loudcast and everyone kiss podcast martin popoff the rock historian baco from cobras and fire ron and esty Vinny apathy and carmen apiece on the hanging and banging podcast as well as mistress carrie in boston so check all those out Follow them on Twitter at Pantheon Pods as well as Facebook, and then check out their website, PantheonPodcast.com. You can check out The Hook Rocks wherever you do podcasts on every platform, as well as Twitter at The Hook Rocks and on Facebook. Don't forget to write us a review. Always appreciate the feedback and always enjoy when uh, something positive happens on this podcast, which is quite frequently because we have some really good guests and some really good topics. Check out some of our latest episodes with Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy, the legendary guitar player, talks about putting the band back together or what's with him and paying tribute to the band Thin Lizzy later this year. So check that out. Check out some of our new music spotlights with The Warning, Georgia Thunderbolts, and Joyous Wolf. So I know you'll all enjoy that as well. And don't forget to check out our year-end celebration, which we talked about the great albums of 2021 the top 30 with some guest contributions, almost six hours of conversation, and 160 albums, all new from legacy artists, emerging bands, and unknowns. So go check that out. If you're a music geek, music nerd, you will definitely enjoy it. Like I said, I'm excited about this episode because, in my opinion, the band that we are going to be talking with today is one of the faces of emerging rock right now. And... Their last album, Community Inn, definitely resonated with me. Actually, I discovered them because my son asked for that album for Christmas, and I had no idea who Goodbye June was. I'm like, Goodbye June, all right, I'll order it for you. So I got it, and he about two days after Christmas, we're driving, and he puts it in the car, and I'm like, who is this again? This, these guys are really good, and became 
a fan instantly. So I always have to credit my now 17-year-old son for exposing this to this great rock band from Nashville, Tennessee. We're going to talk about their story. We're going to talk about their new album, See Where the Night Goes. The band is Goodbye June, and I'd like to welcome in Tyler, Landon, and Brandon. What's happening, guys? What's going on? What's What's happening, Jay? (laughs) Not too much, just chilling. Happy to have you guys on. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Can't wait to dissect the album and talk about the songs. Uh, This album, Tyler was on early 2021 talking about it, so we're going to get into it and discuss all things new album. But before we begin, we got to do a quick Landon and Brandon first-time guest, because every time we do have a first-time guest, we always ask, what hooked them on rock and roll? It's the same first question. So just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, a band, an album, or performance, that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you guys? Uh, This is Brandon. I would say, uh, for me... It was actually a movie. Uh, it was a movie called That Thing You Do. Uh, Tom Hanks, Liv Tyler uh, were the two biggest stars in that movie. Uh, but I remember watching that movie when I was about 12 years old. And it just struck a chord in me uh, that that's something I could do with my life. And the next day after I watched that movie, I went to, to school and talked to my buddies. Like, guys, let's form a band, you know. And we formed a little band and we uh, did little uh, like songs like Nirvana covers and uh, Bush covers at, at break time at school. And uh, yeah, that was my first like big like, moment for me when I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do with my life. After I watched that movie, that thing you do. Uh, Lando, what, what what's yours? Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, it's Landon. Um, I have a lot of I mean, I think I gradually grew into rock and roll but i think the the thing that probably i don't know i got this uh i had this buddy his dad owned an auction and i got this beatles record and uh just hearing like it was like live recordings and like b-side stuff all in this like four disc set and uh just hearing like these girls scream and then like them playing songs that i knew and i didn't know who they were when i was like a really young kid um probably that rock and roll i'd say i'd say that for sure the movie that thing you do didn't the guy from fountains of wayne who passed during covid write the music for that uh that's a great question and honestly i don't know that i wish i did i should know that but i i I don't i'm not for sure who wrote that music but it's incredible it really yeah Yeah, no, I think he also wrote Stacy's mom as well. I think. Um, oh, oh, nice. Yeah. Well, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. What was that? Bowling for Soup, right? No, it wasn't Bowling. It was, I think it was Fountains of Wayne, the band. Bowling for Soup is a great band, too, as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fountains of Wayne. They all run together. <laughs> yeah, they do. Sometimes. Not in a bad way. I'm just saying, like, I, that's a long time ago, is what I'm right. saying. Right. So, as far as the moment you guys wanted to be in a band and get up on stage, what was that like for you? What was that experience? Um, wow. I mean, the first time we want to get on stage, I mean, like we, we grew up in the church. I mean, we were put on stage as, as kids. 
Um, I would say, I mean, that was our very first experience of being on stage and wanting to be on stage was performing at, at a church function, like where there was a youth function or whatever it was. Led. Um, but you know, that, that led to other things. Um, Tyler wanting Tyler to be in the band. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tyler, Tyler's experiences are more like coming from a, either a smoky bar or a little country church. <laughs> he can speak more to you on that. But Landon and I's experiences are like, you know, black gospel choir music and stuff like that. I think, I think ultimately like when me and Brandon were in a band when I was like 15 and, um, we always wanted Tyler. So I remember the first time we actually started rehearsing with him too, like as like goodbye June early stages. That was pretty cool. I remember us being very like motivated and inspired. So I know we took a lot of trips to like Cincinnati and other places to play shows and didn't make any money. And those were probably some of the first band experiences, I would say. I've been trying to remember for years and it just came to me. That band that we opened for in Cincinnati was Sonic Flood. Sonic yeah, Flood. we don't. We, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, great. No, that's great. That's great. I forgot. I forgot. I for, I've, I've, I think maybe I repressed that. Uh, Let's forget about it. <laughs> but it just, it just come back to me in that moment when you said drive to Cincinnati. Um, yeah. Not, that's great. <laughs> but no, uh, I mean, I was uh, on stage. I mean, I played at like a small country church of like 20, 25 people uh, just doing like country hymns. But then I went to school in Bloomington, Indiana, and there was a, a blues club that would have uh, open mic, open jam sessions on Tuesday nights. And I wasn't old enough, but they'd let me in. And um, I got to play on stages with like blues, you know, blues guys from around the region. And, uh, that was a lot of fun for me that like sent me down a way different path and got me into all sorts of blues and all sorts of really cool indie blues. I mean, back then Joe Bonamassa was a budding guitar player. Like it was before like the world had kind of caught on to him. And I remember all the, these guitar players and singers, you know, tell me about all these blues guys I need to check out. And, uh, it was a really cool time in my life experience in that. And then performing the blues, but then also learning about the blues at the same time. So that was, that would be mine. That's interesting. I mean, I had a, uh, the experience too, growing up, of course, just outside of Chicago where, I mean, you're hearing the blues when you're in the womb. And I still remember my blues experiences when I saw the Blues Brothers when I was a young kid. And it all sent, seemed to make sense then, you know, because I had that experience with, you know, my, my grandfather being a lounge piano player. And then, you know, then this, there was this blues thing going on. I mean, obviously in Chicago, blues is huge, but that was kind of the earliest things for me too when I was a young kid, um, was big band and blues, which were really prevalent in my house. As far as the album goes, the new album, See Where the Night Goes, I, I've i told you guys well, prior before I told Landon and Brandon how great this was, but I've been messaging Tyler and, and telling him how fantastic it was. This was an album that was recorded early 2021. Yes. Right? February? Yeah. Of last yeah. Uh, 
January to uh, February, uh, probably second week was probably the last time I cut vocals. Yeah. And from what Tyler said in the previous interview that I had with him early when you, I think you guys were in the, in the midst of recording it was the difference in, in how the style of music or the approach to the music was for this album. Um, more of a just plug in sound and, you know, it's time to rock. What was that experience for you guys knowing that's, that's how you were, were going to record it? Well, that, that was actually something that we had planned on doing from the very beginning. Uh, when we first started writing the record, um, we, we, we'd set up in Tyler's garage with a little drum kit, a uh, bass rig and a, a guitar rig. And we started writing as a three piece. And we had talked about it from the very beginning that we were like, this needs to be a cohesive sound, uh, something that's a, a little more um, easier to approach. And uh, we just, that was the intention from the very beginning to record it that way, a more simplistic uh, recording process. But for us, it was actually complicated because we'd never actually done that before. So this, a simple left, right guitar, one take, kind of like one vocal take, a a simple approach was something that we had talked about from, from, from go. So like that was the, the, the simplicity was on purpose, I guess you could say. I think the we were hitting some really cool things and writing some really cool things and uh, making some cool music in the garage with just the three of us. And I think that, that uh, stripped down a, approach to the writing process, I, I think it carried into the recording process because it was like, man, the stuff that we were writing sounded great in the garage, you know? So uh, like Brandon said, we had always had this mission statement of, Let's let's see let's see how good we sound through the lens the same lens that a lot of our heroes uh, the style of recording that our heroes did right so which was you know recording the tape and uh, very um, a heavy emphasis on the band and the live recording and uh, you know a lot of the recording is one is kind of one take kind of things like the magical take. Uh, in the studio, which is what a lot of our heroes did. So um, I think the, the three piece let, led us there because we fell in love with the songs and how they sounded with just us three playing together. So um, that translated and we told our producer, Paul Moak, the inspiration and what we wanted to try to accomplish. And, and uh, I think he nailed it. I think he set us up for success. There had to be a sense of excitement and like you also said, you know, stress because it's something different that you're doing. And it's one thing to play the songs in the garage, but when you're going in the studio to do it, you're you're trusting your instincts at this point. You know, you're you're maybe I don't know if this happened, but there's maybe a little bit of second guessing, like, are we doing the right thing? Is this what we really want to do? So that you know, coupled with the excitement of making this music had to be a different experience in the studio did that all and you know kind of encapsulate what was happening with you guys and you know internally i i mean i think i think once we got in the studio we were all pretty ecstatic to be there honestly i think like we had spent so much time locked down basically everybody was locked down so it was 
it was kind of a, a nice release for us to just get in there and to accomplish what we were set out to accomplish. I mean, we had already had phone calls with Paul, our producer. We had already worked through a lot of the songs prior to the studio. And then we obviously <clears throat> continued to craft them there. But for the most part, I mean, it was pretty seamless. Like it was, everybody was on the same page of what we needed to do and what we were out to achieve. So it ended up being a really therapeutic time. It was, there was no, at least from my point of view, there was no stress. There was no nothing. I mean, we were, we were all hopping on different, you know, instruments and whatever the song needed, we, we did it and, and just made it work and it ended up being a beautiful process. So that's my viewpoint on it. Um, yeah, I thought, uh, I thought the, it wasn't really super stressful. I mean, I always get stressed in there because me and Paul have a, uh, maybe a different dynamic where I think he, he tries to, he tries to push me and he doesn't let me off the hook very easy. Um, especially, well, with I my think rhythm. it's just, I think it's just that you're the one that gets in your own head, but then you end yeah. up crushing it and blowing yeah. everybody away. Uh, yeah. Well, me and Paul, have <laughs> so a, he has to, he has to beat you up a little bit. Yeah. We, we have a unique dynamic where he doesn't, he, um, he tries to draw the best out of me, which I appreciate and I love. And, but in the moment it is a little stressful sometimes for me, but I'm a, I'm a, maybe a touch neurotic sometimes in the studio. So. Um, but yeah, no, like Landon said, I'm kind of, I'll echo that is that it's, it was, uh, I was just, I was so elated just to be there, just to be, have another chance to record another record after what had happened in the world and what was happening in the world at the time, you know? So the fact that we got another chance to do another record with someone that we, that we love, Paul, I mean, he's, he's incredible. So, um, we were just, I'm happy to be there. Happy for another chance. As far as the pandemic, how much did that play into you guys being inspired to have a more raw sound to go in and, and kind of change the dynamic of what you guys were used to? I imagine, you know, sitting at home a lot and doing things, you know, that are not being able to do things that you're normally allowed to do or what you do. Uh, you know, your mind tends to wander. Your mind says, Hey, you know, what can I do to kind of, you know, change it up a little bit? Did that play a part in anything? I mean, I think we all live really close together. So when that, that initial lockdown happened and all that, I mean, we were already around each other so much and we just kept being around each other and we just kind of became our own, you know, little group. Um, that spent time together and, and, you know, whatever. And then once uh, we realized how long it was going to last, that's when we just went for it and met at Tyler's garage and started, you know, writing, playing music, trying to figure out, you know, what was the next move as far as an album goes. Um, Trying to really honestly just navigate through accepting the fact that we lost shows and all that stuff um lost a whole year of touring lost a whole album of touring basically and trying to pick up you know uh inspiration to write a rock and roll record that made sense um 
in times that weren't that nice, basically. Like, I think we were just dreaming of the future when we started writing this record and we wanted it to be an upbeat record that meant something. We've always said this in several interviews, but we wanted a record that you could put on from start to finish at a party and just let it roll. And, uh, basically reproduce good times because at, at the time when we started the, the pre-production and the writing, it wasn't, it wasn't good times. So for anybody, so I think we were just trying to, uh, dream up, I guess, a, a world where it would be again at some point. When you think back of recording the album, you know, in February, January, February of last year to February now, a year later, and you guys have been pretty open about, you know, the lost, you know, tour dates and, and not being able to do what you guys were planning and expecting to do. Now that you're on the cusp of this album coming out and, you know, the waiting that you guys had to do, you, you know, obviously there's the excitement and everything. But when you look back and reflect on it and you think about this journey that began early last year and all the things that happened and didn't happen, how has the band been able to just maintain that focus on the album, the music that you guys did and now anticipating what comes after it? I mean, I think, I think it was a challenge to maintain focus. I think, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it was a challenge just to, to keep the, to stay the course, you know, because it's been a long time since we cut that record over, you know, over a year or right out a year. And, um, and keeping the momentum and the excitement up about it. And, uh, but what's funny is there was a little bit of a lull, I think maybe call it six months ago. And then now there's been this continue, continuous excitement of, Oh my God, this thing's about ready to come out. This record that, you know, we did over a year ago that we all loved um, a year ago, you know, the last day in the studio, you know, we're high-fiving with our producer and having a great time. And, um, you know, really excited about it. And then there's this long lull of, uh, when we're going to put it out. So, uh, it's been a little hard to maintain it, but what's funny is the, the last couple months, as we've been releasing these lead off singles, the excitement around it. And, um, I mean, we just found out today that there was that three chords, uh, one of the lead up singles is, is, uh, one of the most played songs at a, major radio station in UK. So it's like, we're getting this, that kind of news and we're getting these wonderful interviews and we're getting, um, it's building the excitement back up within us. And I think I know me personally, I'm really ready to get out and tour this record. So I think it's going to be a big release. (laughs) I texted you last night and I was like, my son's trying to learn three chords right now. So <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm hearing him jam and play it, start over, play it, start over. He was having a good old time. So how's, um, how's he, how's he doing with it? It's not too bad, is it? No, he's, he's doing play- good with it. He, he's doing good. He, you know, and then like, he thinks for whatever reason that I don't hear him playing. So then he comes to wherever I'm at. Dad, you hear what I was playing? I'm like, Oh yeah. How could I get <laughs> <laughs> your well, amp all the way up? I've heard I've heard him play Dirty Honey song. So if he can play a Dirty Honey song, he can play three chords for sure. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's <laughs> excited about it too as well. How did, how did you guys stay connected with this music for a year? You know, I mean, because you know, you're writing the music, you're writing the lyrics, you you record it, you know, you 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 put it down, 
And now you guys had to wait. And obviously a lot of bands have had to wait over the past year. But how did you guys maintain that connection with the music? Man, that's uh, for me. And I think Tyler and Brandon would agree. It's um, something that you kind of have to do at times anyways, where you're waiting on your music to come out. And this was just one of those moments where it was more beautiful and more worth the wait uh, than normal. Um, Cause there's always a wait. And I think this was just even that much more beautiful um, having to um, sorry, I'm walking around a studio right now. I'm trying to get a quiet spot. Um, but yeah, just like go, going through what we went through with the lockdown, everybody like, you know, going through all these changes and different things and everything shifting from a business standpoint, from a, a lifestyle standpoint. I mean, it's, it's, um, I don't think it affected us that much at all. Honestly, I think our previous records, uh, had more weight on them as far as, uh, you know, W E I, um, as far as like actually waiting on it, this was like slowly releasing singles, music videos. I think it was more of a, um, therapeutic, beautiful process for us because we've been, you know, not doing much. I mean, like nobody has. And so it's been, it's been a beautiful thing to see it come to life as opposed to like, all right, let's hurry up and push it out and get on the road, um, which we want to do that. We want to get on the road, but I think at the same time, like this has been different. It's, it's, it's all different. So um, it's a weird question. Um, hopefully I answered it. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's just been a weird time. And I think it was a beautiful thing for us, honestly. It also has to be exciting too, when, when you've had this long of a break, you know, to have that first single come out, you know, step aside, you know, it's gotta be like, Hey, here we're going. I mean, it, this is, this is starting to pick up now. This is, this is actually happening because, you know, at some point, you know, like everybody, human nature, you start to think of things like, man, is this ever going to come out? I mean, it just feels like we're waiting forever. And then boom, that single comes out and then the next single and so on. And you're like, wow, we're actually, we're actually going to be doing this now. <laughs> yeah. Step aside came out swinging too, man. Like we, it, uh, it did really well on, on like Spotify and Apple and everything. And I think it showed us that there was a hunger um, for what we do and it came out, uh, streamed extremely. It's, it still is. I mean, it's, um, streaming extremely well. So we, uh, it, it, it was just really awesome to see after all that time and all the shows canceled and all the bad news, uh, when it came out, uh, it was so well received and, uh, it, that, that was a big, uh, you know, shot in the arm. So it was exciting. Well, let's get into the tracks. Uh, we're going to break down the songs. We're going to play some clips for people listening for the first time. All 11 songs on See Where the Night Goes. And uh, first song is Step Aside.
Aside is the buildup with the opening riff, and you know, I know when you guys released some some uh, m- promo uh, with the media talking about how the riff came to be. You went back to your your you know the house where you grew up, Tyler. But in terms of recording music, where was this song, and what does this song mean to to Goodbye June and opening up the album? I think it, you know it, it encapsulates kind of all of us together different shades of our lives it's all honesty it's just kind of pieced together with riffs that tyler wrote a riff that brandon used to warm up to on the chorus um like every sound check brandon would warm up to that and then tyler came up with this killer intro riff and the the first riff and um we 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 brought it to paul moke we had some lyric ideas tyler had some lyric ideas and then we all four finished it out and it really just encapsulates, like encapsulates. Sorry, I'm gonna get there eventually. Um, um, just our overall upbringing into uh, rock and roll, really, and the lifestyle that we lead, and the music we're trying to create. Um, I think that is the probably the best way to say it. Yeah, I, I remember um, sitting in the in the studio and we were at the very beginning i had we had just showed the riff to everybody and um everybody was digging like hey let's write this let's do this and paul jumped in and we didn't have we didn't know where it went and then i remembered i was like brandon dude can i can can we use your your riff i just called it his riff he's like yeah we, I, if if i'm remembering right he's like yeah what are you talking about and i and i played it he's like oh yeah yeah that riff because he, he like landon said he warms up he warmed up with it almost every sound check forever and it was not it was not a riff we had ever written before it was just you know it was just under his fingers and it was just this this riff he always used to check check his sound out that he knew and uh and so that's the chorus riff is is Brandon's riff. So it was, it was a great uh, combination of, of a complete effort from everyone. And I think that was obviously the high energy and the message and stuff. But I think overall, I think it was the perfect start to the record because it was, it's truly all of us in that song. On to the next song, see where the night goes, the title track of the album.
what I really like about this song when I hear it, when I heard it for the first time, for those of you who've been to New Orleans will understand what I'm saying. But when I'm listening to this and hearing the music, you can smell New Orleans. And for anyone that's been to New Orleans, when you walk out of your hotel the next morning after a night of doing whatever, um, wherever the night went the night before, you immediately see the effects of that night when you go for breakfast or you start to begin your day in New Orleans. And I thought that's it's very unique and a great feel of that song. Yeah, we actually... Uh we were um, invited to do a cruise that we actually just did a few weeks ago called ship rock. And it was basing out of new Orleans in 2020, early 2020. I think it was like super bowl weekend, like early February, late, late January, early February. And uh, the night before we, we all had a hotel and we went out um, with a bunch of buddies of ours that were on the cruise as well. And they had a parade and like these people were like, uh, you know, there was marching bands and trombones and stuff like this. And uh, we had a pretty wild night. And I, I think uh, I think Tyler had this lick, uh, showed it to us. And Brandon came up with that New Orleans, like back in the truck down in new orleans which weren't in a truck but we were basically in a truck it was a minivan um close enough right and uh and uh and basically i mean honestly that that whole song is based off of uh that whole night experience i mean we just kind of had a good time and then we wrote about it and then that next day we left on a cruise and went to the caribbean so it was good I, I always enjoy the songs that you guys make in the lyrics because especially with this album, I think more so than the ones that have, have come before it, the way you guys paint a picture of the moment, the song, you really allow the listener when they absorb it to really feel what you guys are feeling. I mean, I, you know, when I heard see where the night goes or step aside that opening riff to begin the album, you know, paint a picture about a night in new Orleans and, kind of brought me back of myself visiting there and you know the 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 way the 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 approach to the lyrics are it's 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 very unique or you guys are very unique compared to a lot of emerging bands that are out there and in the way that you write and the way that you tell a story well i think that just comes from being honest um typically most of the songs that we write are just a real honest story that we've actually lived. Um, and I, I don't know if that's lost on the next generation or this generation or what, but that's just what we draw from is just real life experiences. I mean, sometimes we expand on it and like make it a little more fantastical or, or, or draw it back. But, you know, the songs on this record are just, you know, real life you know, situations that we've actually lived through. And that's just what it is. It's it's not a, you know, some sort of trick or just a way we're trying to do something. It's just the, the honest truth. So I, I guess that's maybe where the, uh, the stories are coming from. Tyler, can you expand on that? I'm sure you yeah. have a thought as well. Well, I think like, I think, you know, when you, Jay, when you say, you know, bands, you don't, 
maybe there's not as many bands doing that. I think we've been writing a lot of songs together for a long time. And in my opinion, I think all three of us are great individual songwriters. And I think as a band, we're, we're, we're learning and we're, we're trying to become better as a, as a band unit, you know, every record, you know, we hope you, you know, the listener hears it, the, the growth and the maturity. And what's so funny is the older and older I get and the more songs and more songs I write, it's always uh, trying to keep things as simple and and the storytelling as honest and like fundamental and try to make it to where anyone can understand it so if a teenager in in Czechoslovakia like listens to see where the night goes it's like you said Jay he's there with us like you know he's never been to New Orleans but like he can be there with us and I think that's where as songwriters as you mature I think that's the whole goal is the better and better you get is the more and more you can transport people to this, these super vulnerable moments or these super um, fun moments, you know, you, you transport them to, to be there with you. And it's been a journey for us. And I think me personally, I think we're getting better and better at it. That's what I strive for. Every time I pick up a guitar is, I mean, sometimes I work on my technique, but nine times out of 10, I'm trying to, work on my songwriting because I think that's the most important thing. So, um, yeah. The next song is breathe and attack. It starts out with those blues influences. You talked about Tyler and let's check it out. I was born on the river, raised by the rock, moved to the city and it gave me culture shock. I'm the son of a preacher, but I lost that fever. I just love the, if there's a song that really kind of defines that simplicity that you talk about um, is really the buildup in the beginning of this song. And, you know, it's a very powerful song because it's got an incredible hook to it, but it starts out with just a simple blues riff and, you know, the, the way it just develops over time is, is makes it one of my favorite tracks on the album. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, I'll go ahead. Go ahead, Lando. Well, I was just saying, I think this is the one that we had the most fun with in the garage. Like we were, well, at least for me, like I had a good time, like just like me and Brandon would always switch up drums and, and bass or Tyler would even play bass. But like, this was one of those first ones where um, we felt like we were getting it, like we were getting the foundation of what we wanted. And um that's I think that's what's so beautiful about this song. Like um I'm I'm very biased to all my songs, like all of our songs, I should say. But uh this one was like one of those first ones where Tyler had this killer riff and we just started jamming it 
and just going for it. And it really helped set like a tone for the rest of the record. Um, and I think, I think, uh, you could credit a lot of it to, you know, that tone that Tyler, you know, was trying to find and that riff that he wrote. And then like the vibe that we all tried to create, like with that straight up, you know, hi hat, bass, guitar, just simple simplicity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a fun riff for me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Joey Morrow, Morrow from Bad Flower, he, um, I think he had caught COVID and like the world had shut down and he needed a place to go. And he ended up staying, uh, at my, I have a, I have a guest room, some guest rooms that are detached from my house. So he came over and stayed with me. And, and, um, after he got over the sickness or whatever, we, we were playing guitar and playing Xbox and stuff and just hanging out. And so I was unthinking, I was watching him play Halo and that breathing attack riff came out. I wasn't even thinking. And Joey didn't even look, he didn't look at me. He was still playing. He's like, he's like, dude, that riff was awesome. And I said, what riff? And he's like, play that again. And I was, so I replayed the breathing attack riff and he's like, yeah, dude, that riff's awesome. And so I, I noted it in my mind and I kept practicing it over the next couple of days. And then we, I ended up showing Landon and Brandon in the garage like a couple of days later. So I always give, I give Joey Murrow a little credit on, on, uh, helping me out with that riff for uh, recognizing it. <laughs> I like the, you know, cause when you guys talked in the beginning of the, the, um, the interview about the simplicity and, you know, just the, the, of recording the album. I think this song really defines that because it's a very simple song, but it's also very powerful. It has like this balance throughout the whole song that makes it really stand out and unique for, you know, from, from the album. The next song is take a ride and let's give it a listen. song really moves it it kind of keeps pushing the album forward uh and in track number four take a ride it's one of those songs that i envision a lot of people dancing at at a show at a goodbye june show because it really can grab an audience it really kind of grabs the listener and makes them move yeah that track i um Actually, I had been working on some music and I had been listening to a lot of uh, actually Van Halen. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I had just come up with this uh, progression and that I thought was uh, moving to me. And I, uh, I remember we, we went to the studio uh, one day while we tracked the record and we were sitting down to, to show like, you know, all of our different riffs, different song ideas. And, uh, it, it came to me 
and I had that the the lick for uh, for that song. And our producer Paul's like, "Yeah, that's it. Let let's start with that today." And uh, we started working on "Take a Ride," and she's a motorcycle rider. And yeah, well, it was actually interesting. Yeah, Paul Moke he he drives a motorcycle, so yeah, "Take a Ride." You know, obviously, probably hit home with him a little bit. But yeah, that's what started from as I was, I was at home by myself, just working on something. I'd been listening a lot of Van Halen. I was just like, this, this seems right. I want to show, show the guys and just went to the studio. And you know, the next thing we knew we were writing a song. Um, uh, Lando. Yeah. I think, uh, it was fun for me. Like it was a different vocal approach for me. Um, as opposed to previous records and like, even this current record, like it was a little bit different along with a few other songs, but this one was kind of in its own genre of how you like drag your voice and like how you, you know, hold these certain melodies. Like it's, it's just moving constantly and uh, it's a workout. So um, I remember writing it. We wrote that with Paul, I believe. And um, yeah, it just, it all fell into place and I think that's going to be like a fun live one to play. I don't think we've even played that live yet. So um, looking forward to doing that. The next track is the beautiful song. What I need uh, just a fantastic arrangement, fantastic song. Um, again, I love the way this album keeps unfolding, right? Cause you start out with Step Aside, which is the build up and see where the night goes is, is kind of sets the tone for, for what, uh, what is to come. And then Breathe and Attack is just this power song that moves it forward to take a ride and then slow things down a bit with the ballad, What I Need. Something inside is rising and I can't hide it. It just occurred to me. We were actually out in L.A. uh, with our our buddy Scott Stevens. Um, He's a a producer, a writer, and we've done some work with him in the past. And this was the only song really that was not new to this record. This was actually a few years older, um, one that we had written a few years back. And uh, we, we went to Scott's studio in LA in Mount Washington and he kind of had this vibe. He had this piano vibe. He, he kind of showed us like, here's what I'm kind of thinking. And I know, uh, like we all like connected to it in our own way. Like we had all had our own like things that we had been through and I know him as well. And I think we all just kind of found that level of, this is what we need to write about. Like 
finding yourself and finding who you are and finding peace with what that is. And um, it just sort of fell into place. Um, it's one of those songs that's hard to explain because it, like, we weren't planning on it. Like, um, and we don't plan a lot, but like at the same time, you know, you want to write a rocker, you want to write an upbeat. I think ballads are a little bit different. Like, I think they have to just happen. And I think that's what happened here. Um, Scott was in the mood. We were all in the mood and we just came together and pieced all of our uh, souls into this song. And I think that's what kind of was created. Yeah, yeah, Scott was, if I remember right, and not to um, not to speak for Scott or anything, but I, if I remember right, we had worked all week, and it was like Friday. It was like the last day we were going to be in LA, and um, you know, at the end of the week, you're a little, maybe a little more tired or whatever. Um, so we're all kind of coming in, kind of chill, kind of whatever. And I, we, Scott had been dealing with, um, I'm not for sure, but I'm, I was, um, if I was remembering right, I think he was dealing with some family issues and he seemed pretty, um, he's kind of sad about a couple of things. He, he had, he had told us some things that was going on in his life and he seemed pretty down about it. And, um, and he was, he, it was kind of his, he had those chords, those piano chords. And he said, he told us, he said, guys, he's like, Joe Cocker, you are so beautiful is my absolute favorite song. He's like, is there, you know, I, I don't know what was said, but we were all talking about things and all talking about things that were happening in our life. And Scott, Scott was weighing in on a lot of stuff and um, what I need happened. So I thought that was pretty special how just kind of our communal sadness, so to speak, all went into this song, which I think you hear it and you feel it and it's, it's special. Yeah. The next track is Stand and Deliver. What I like about this too, again, you know, I keep talking about this is just how the each song um, individually and also the way they kind of connect with each other is the opening riff, the build up. Um, it's kind of it's not the same as Breathe and Attack, but it kind of has that same type of vibe to it, where uh, you know it has a, a very cool riff in the beginning. And then it just, it, it, it just, it's kind of like a locomotive. It just gets on the track and just keeps going. No, Tyler came up with that cool riff um, at the beginning. And I remember us demoing this at, I think it was at my old place when we first started like messing with it. And I think the lyrics just kind of 
came in like did we write this one with Paul Tyler? Uh no, I don't I'm not sure. I don't remember to be honest. I don't think so. I don't I don't think, think we did. No, I don't, I don't think, think it, I, I think I had the first verse, and then I think I think we all kind of wrote the second verse. And yeah, then, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I had a song title, yeah, yeah. like "Stand and Deliver," but we didn't kind of know how it was all going to fit together. But we had yeah. the first, we had the first verse right, and then it all came together. And Brandon kind of had the toughest job of the whole <laughs> of the whole gig <laughs> with this, uh, uh, you hear it. The rhythm part is it's super simple, but it's incredibly difficult. So that could be a great guitar challenge for your son. Just tell him to play Brandon's part on stand and yeah. deliver because it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. <laughs> Straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I remember us, uh, finishing out the song and like writing some of the lyrics, like, um, and just, just like for me, like I think second verse is where I kind of got more involved than anything. Um, was just like about how life beats you down and, and, uh, that's what everybody was going through at that time. So, um, I think it's just like, uh, it's a song for the band, but it's also a song for all of our fans and like anybody else, honestly, who, um, needed it really. The next track is Baby I'm Back, which I think is my favorite song at this moment. Let's check it out. Well, maybe I'll just have one. Do I sound so nice? The time's a charm. But the fuck that? I lived with a rock band in my early 20s, and this basically triggered all my memories of living with a rock band in my early 20s. Um, even the sound effects in the beginning of the song with the beer bottles rolling down the, you know, on the floor or being kicked around. Uh, we had a keg fridge in our kitchen. And, you know, we would have, you know, we get the line serviced, you know, every like six months and we had parties after gigs and Friday and Saturday nights. And then I worked at a biker bar. I bounced at a biker bar and the whole bar would come over on certain nights. And uh, thank you for bringing me back to those memories because uh, I had a great time reliving it. Yeah, well, you pretty much summed it up right there. That's uh, <laughs> pretty much the whole. That's the whole gig. That's the whole vibe, man. That's the yeah. I, did, Tyler, yeah. did we really have anything to add to that? I mean, Not really. I mean, you pretty much said exactly what we were going to say. Right. So, uh, I mean, that's, I, we I, wanted. I've, I've we, lived we, it. Uh, honestly, if I could sum it up, it would be we wanted to relate to people that have been hungover uh, on multiple days in a row, and uh, there it is. You know, yeah. it's a party and, song. It's a continuous party song, hangover song. 
Yeah. Um, you make bad mistakes, but then you, you know, you bounce back. <laughs> the power, the, the power of a beautiful woman is incredible. Yes. <laughs> That's right. I, yeah. I, I, I wish I could get into some of the stories that uh, I experienced living with the rock band, but I know my son does listen to this and uh, he'll have to be 21 and over before I share those with him. Yeah, there you go. So, but no, thanks for bringing me back. That was, uh, I started listening. I'm like, well, this song is interesting. It's got, you know, the, the beer bottles and, and everything going on. And I'm like, yeah, I've kind of lived through that moment, those moments myself. And, um, in fact, two of the guys that I still talk to, two of my roommates, you know, they, um, they put out an album that was kind of centered around a party that kind of had sound effects and everything. So, um, I'm sure they'll be excited when I, when this comes out and I send it to them. Yeah. We, we always, uh, love, we, I remember all throughout our career, we have these little stints in LA where we go out and we always put on, always put on nineties rap, Snoop Dogg like West coast rap. And, um, those, those tracks are always laden with, with sound effects and, you know, cocking pistols and, and like, you know, shells hitting the ground and beer bottles and stuff like it's, it's kind of part of that music and part of that era. So we've, we've always thought it would be cool to add in, maybe pick a song and add in a couple sound effects or something kind of like that West coast rap. So that's this, this is our best attempt. (laughs) I think it was great. Right now, right now it'll change, but this is my favorite song. It's been my favorite song since I first heard the album. So, um, fantastic job. Let's let's go to Everlasting Love. Let's give it a roll. Yeah, uh, I remember Tyler had this intro riff, and we thought, like, he he showed us this intro riff to me and Brandon, and then, like, what we thought at the time was the chorus, and we wrote this awesome, what we thought was a chorus, um, and we're like, man, this is awesome, and then, and then we all start, you know, we kind of started questioning it, and, like, Okay, well, what if this is an awesome pre-chorus, um, like instead of a chorus? And we kept progressing on this song. And this was a garage song, by the way. This was like one of those garage days, like just hanging out in Tyler's garage, like just working it out, sweating. And um, I think ultimately we all agreed that what we thought was the chorus was an amazing pre-chorus. And so we kept writing from there, which is hard to do, by the way. Like, um, cause once, like a lot of times, like I'll speak for me, I won't speak for Tyler, but 
a lot of times, like when you get a some like a, a method set in your head, it's hard to break away from that. So to do that and do that effectively is really cool um, because then you just keep making the song greater and greater. And we were able to elevate uh, what we thought was the chorus, which is now the pre-chorus to the, you know, and then create a new chorus. Um, I think we just kind of created this vibe of, you know, free care, free love, like trying to keep everything positive and have fun while doing it. And I know Tyler has this wicked, uh, guitar line that he does that I think is probably the hookiest thing of all in the song. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I, well, I, I tell you, I would say I did enjoy my guitar work in this song, but I thought the hero just like this one. And then an upcoming song, three chords. I thought Brandon's guitar work in kind of that awesome, you know, Keith Richards rhythmic uh, Rolling Stonesy contribution on the choruses, I think it made it transported the song into a, a new a new realm of fun. And um, I remember sitting on the couch and we were all working on it, and um, we didn't have a chorus yet. And for some reason, uh, an old gospel hymn, uh, "Leaning on the Everlasting Arms," popped into my head. And then I was like, "What about everlasting love?" And and then we ended up going with it, and we ended up and it ended up working out just over that big riff, and it it it, it was so fun. So at this point in the album, when I'm listening to it, I'm thinking every song you can play live, and the crowd would just you would just kill it with the crowd because every song so far through Everlasting Love, this is when I'm like, man, they could play this whole album live, and it would be just completely an incredible connection with the audience. Cause it's like you said, it's like an album you can put on at a party and you can also say you can play the whole song and the whole, make the whole show a party. Yeah. I think that's what we were going for. I mean, just to make everybody feel good, honestly, that's the ultimate goal. And also like, you know, every record we've ever done, every, you know, piece of music we've ever written, like, we're putting thought into that. And I think this time it was just different and it was different for everybody. So that was the ultimate goal. On to the song, nothing, the ninth track on the album. too is a is another cool change of pace on the album um you know right after you know the very hooky everlasting love comes nothing um how did this song come about dark depression my friend um <laughs> i'm joking 
Um, <laughs> no, I'm not joking. No, you're not. Uh, I'm not. I was joking. like, I was like, um, we suddenly took a no. turn here. Yeah. Um, um, basically, I think this was this was me personally, um, just kind of over everything that was happening, uh, personally happening in the world. Like, I was just kind of like, you know what? I want to write a song that encapsulates the anger that I'm feeling, but also that I feel like everybody's feeling in some form or fashion, like, you know, going into this, we're talking about, you know, 2020, this was like probably fall of 2020. This was one of the later songs written. And, um, I don't know. I just, I always find myself writing these songs like that. Um, I like to encapsulate, uh, emotions and this was one of those songs for this record and i'm surprised it made it but i'm glad it made it um it's a very like more a little more grungy a little more um white stripes uh you know heavy uh whatever but yeah i yeah this was just one of those special songs that um i think is gonna end up being like really fun to play live i don't think we've ever played it live yet um but we will and yeah it is yeah. what it is i mean the yeah. song kind of speaks for itself i mean it's it's pretty barren it's pretty you know self-explanatory yeah the the yeah i remember going in the studio and sitting down you were if i remember right you were in the middle of this kind of the middle of the studio and we were all looking, kind of looking at each other as a lull in the, in the right, in the, in the day. And you, you start playing that stuff and start singing. You had these ideas and the, the really cool verse phrasing. And we, you had that verse riff and then you had the verse phrasing, uh, your vocal phrasings. And it was immediately everybody was like, this is special. Like, this is really cool. And, and then we all, you know, we all jamming and, and it developed and, and it t- took, um, you know, I, I would say Paul always, you know, Paul's kind of Mr. Grunge. And, uh, so he, he loves stuff like this and he leans into, you know, the grungier side of Goodbye June. And he lo- I think he loves that side of us. So it was cool to see. I mean, we all contributed and we were all pitching in, but I think this song especially was kind of a you and Paul, like you guys were ping ponging off each other and there was a lot of excitement around it. And, um, yeah, well, for me personally, this was probably one of my favorite solos on the record. So I was, we were all jacked up about this song. So um, yeah, well, I remember I'm, I remember talking to you, Tyler, and I was like, this so, this solo needs that that uh, ball and a biscuit, you know, yeah, tone that 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 wild erratic guitar tone. Yeah, and then you went in there and cut that, and like we were all just like, yeah. And you cut like you cut the demo. I think the acoustic I cut was the demo. Like we kept so much stuff from the actual demo, which the rest of the record was more live. Like this was actually more demo stuff because like that demo was so raw and perfect. Right. And, uh, yeah. We captured like ninety percent of what we wanted during the demo than we did actually recording, which was really interesting. Yeah, it's it, well. I think that song kind of is so emotional and so like we 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 were listening back to this demo that we had made 
And it, like, we all kind of like, well, what can we do better? Like, how can we, we can't, we can't recapture this wonderful emotion, this first time emotion that we, we captured. So um, a lot of it stayed on the record. So I think, uh, I think that was the only track like that. We actually kept like a lot yeah. of the work. Um, yeah. 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 It was. Yeah. <laughs> on to track number 10, three chords. Um, let's check it out. Cause this is an anthem. When I when I kind of reflect on the album, it, to me it's kind of like the third installment in a trilogy with number one, breathe and attack, stand and deliver, and then three chords. It's, they all kind of have that same type of movement, same type of vibe to it. Um, they're all different. They don't, you know, it's not like they sound the same, but they do have a common vibe to to what to what the song is trying to do, to what the band is trying to do. And, you know, this is kind of like the, 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 um, grand finale, if you will, of that trilogy that I speak about. Oh, well, thanks, man. That's, that's a wonderful way to put it. Um, I was on my back porch, uh, Nashville. Um, we were locked down and I, we, I started, I wanted to write a song. I thought it was a really, of a really cool concept between, I wanted to write a song about Landon and I wanted to write a song about Landon's grandpa, Wilbur, because they were both traveling musicians. They both have cut records like um, Wilbur recorded vinyls. You know, he's got, he's got like, he was a, he was in a, a gospel group and they traveled the country. And so I, I was, I felt incredibly inspired when this, when this thought hit me and the whole story I had come up with uh, I would go back on like on my back porch, the same spot where the initial thought hit me. I'd always go back. I sit in the same chair with my acoustic. I was a little, I, I was weirdly superstitious about this song, and I've never been like that ever. And um, I'd always go back when I worked on it. I always go back to the same chair. I don't know why. That's just weird. But um, and we were, uh, and I, I had written a lot of this song. Um, I would say probably 80% of it. I had the whole premise, the three chords, and I, I, I was so, um, scared to show it to like Landon and Brandon and then eventually Paul. Cause what happened was we had a, a, a record meeting and we were, it's basically show and tell and we were all showing each other, showing our riffs and showing our songs. And I was super nervous. And I'm not really, I'm not, for some reason, this song made me incredibly nervous to, to show and present to everybody because we had never written anything like it. It was a little, you know, the whole song is three chord, the title's three chords and it literally has three chords in it. And, you know, it's a song trying to weave a web, uh, try, trying to run a line between 
Landon's grandpa and Landon. So I was writing about, you know, in the third person or I was writing about a third party, which um, I sometimes do, but it's always better to write about your own experiences. But anyway, so I just felt really inspired and I played it and everybody loved it. To my surprise, I thought, I thought this song was going to get cut. I did not think the song was going to make the record at all, but I think Paul saw it and Landon saw it and everyone injected a lot of themselves into the song. Like Brandon, to me, Brandon elevated the song to make the record when he was, he, he did that wonderful kind of Rolling Stones uh, style riff uh, alongside me. Like when the verses kick in. And to me, that elevated it way up to a point where all of a sudden, holy cow, this, this isn't just another track on the record. This is, this might be a single. So, and then as it, as it developed in the life of the song, like we showed it to our record label and they fell in love with it to my, again, to my surprise, I think to all of our surprises, we just thought it was a, a wonderful story song, which is why we wanted to put it on the record. So, uh, but they fell in love with it and wanted to push it out. We ended up making a music video for it. So, um, it's, um, turned it out. It turned, turned out to be, um, a special song uh, on this record, which was never the intent, but you know, sometimes things kind of stand up and raise their hand and say, Hey, I'm here. I'm ready to, I'm ready to, I'm ready to party. And you, you just pick those songs, you know, the songs just stand up and, and tell you, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I love, you know, the, the beginning riff. It's again, a very bluesy and in, influenced riff. Um, it just, it hit me when I first heard it. Um, and like I said, you know, when I, when I've gone back and listened to the whole album and I listened to those two other songs that I mentioned, um, this is just a great way to like, put a button on those three songs because they kind of all have that you know it's very similar but different and they just have a a very cool vibe to it and what i do like about this is i do want to recognize the lyrics because again a paint a picture you know there's always there's a story and i've told you this that you know you guys have a great way of presenting not only the story of of uh you know each song but also, you know, the way you speak of how the band began and, you know, whether it's, you know, the first interview you ever did on the Hook Rocks with me or, the, you know, the, the promo video that you guys did. Um, it really does connect with with people because, you know, with with the music you write and the way the band is, you know, it, it always it always stays beautiful with it. Right. I mean, even. You know, the, the albums before this, this album, I think, reaches a new height of that. I mean, I think it really is out of the stratosphere. But, you know, this is the one of the songs then that will define, I think, Goodbye June when people talk about you guys years from now. Oh, well, it's so funny. I would have I would have never in a hundred years thought that like when we were when we were listening back to the record, I we all love this song and three chords had to make it because it was so sentimental, it, 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 but it's funny. It's like when you're recording uh, music and you're recording records that you love and you're passionate about, I feel like sometimes artists 
or at least I'll just speak for myself. Artists are, are so close to, it's like, it's like standing, you know, an inch away from a skyscraper and you can't, you don't realize how tall the building is when you're that close to it. You have to be away from it. Your perspective needs to change. And I feel like that's kind of how this song was, was we just thought it was a good song. You know, we just kind of shrugged our shoulders and said, yeah, you know, um, you know, hopefully the, we're like, well, hopefully, you know, hopefully everybody digs it. You know, it's kind of like how our, how our emotion was, you know, when we were leaving the studio, but, uh, the response to it has been really incredible. So, um, it's just funny. It's, 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 it, that's, it's a great testament to anybody who's listening. That's a, that's a writer in music. Just tell, tell real stories because this song is just incredibly real. Absolutely. And uh, the album ends with the song Black. And let's uh, let's check this one out. Ending with this track, ending with this song, this is the most different song on the on the album. You know, it's got a very uh, anthemic type of beat. Um, you know, where you know people can stomp their feet and clap at a show. Was that the idea with with having this song last? Truth be told, was we had made a sequence of this record, which is you know the order of the songs, and we had pr- we had turned it in. And in that sequence, what I need and black were switched. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we turned in the sequence where what I need was the last song and black was where what I need was, uh, to my memory. And, um, the pre, I remember the president of the label wrote back and basically said, guys, please don't put the, one of the best songs you've ever written last on this record, meaning what, meaning he really liked what I need, mm-hmm. um, which we understood, but we were like, man, what I need such a wonderful closer to this record. And um, so we were thinking, well, you know what? He, and he suggested, he said, he said, he said, just think about it. He's like, what do you guys think about putting black last because of the line? of the core, you know, the, the last line of the course, you know, here's your, uh, feel good hit of the summer. And we've kind of fell in love with that idea. So it was a great uh, suggestion from our label. And so that was the, that was the reason why we ended up putting it last is because we felt like it was, it was an exclamation point. We felt like it was, it's dark, it's moody, it has, it, it is, it is a little different than the whole rest of the record because of the, the verses have this a little more of a modern approach, right? And it has, it has a little more modern, um, 
approaching hip hop cadence, right? Which is a little different. Usually Landon sings, you know, melodies and sings long melodies. Well, in this one, he, he kind of, he kind of falls a little more into Red Hot Chili Peppers land or, um, dare say maybe even post Malone land, uh, on the verses at least. And we thought it was really unique. Um, and just, we just thought it was a cool way to end the record. So not, not too much thought put into it. Just, uh, it was just a, a different, a different vibe. Uh, we thought it, it was a weird mixture of like black Sabbath and, um, modern, just a modern approach to rock music. So we thought it was a really interesting song. So. It's kind of tribal in a way too. Well, that's, I think that's Paul and Brandon and Landon kind of working together to create, uh, not to make, to make it fit is not right. But so Paul heard this and he's like, Hey man, he's like, what do you guys think about taking a little bit of a Billy, a Billy Squire approach to, um, I can't even think the stroke he yeah. like brought up, he like brought up the stroke. And so we listened to the song. We're like, all right, that's kind of, that's a unique approach, right? Cause it, we had a whole different vibe to it, right? So then we kind of put it through this lens of Paul's suggestion and Paul made his studio tweaks and different things. And then what you hear is that stompy, rhythmic, clappy thing that happened, which I think, I think the rhythm of this song makes it fit with the rest of the record. Um, I think the lyric content is a little, um, it's an outlier, but I still think it all fits. I mean, I think I, I love this song and, um, this was probably Paul's favorite, our producer's favorite. He's like, you guys have to put this song on the record. <laughs> we're like, okay, we're going to make you, <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it for you, Paul. <laughs> I think it's a great closer. I think it's a great way to end the record. I mean, this album really is a, a, a collection of great songs that you provides the listener to not only great lyrics, but the ability to visually, visually listen as well, because uh, with a lot of these songs and a lot of the lyrics, your mind goes to images. At least I did when I listened to it. Um, and yeah, I think we all do that when we listen to a song. I think there's always a context of, you know, when you hear something, you, you have an image of what they're saying, but I don't know if it's ever as defined as this because of the way the lyrics are presented, the way the music kind of surrounds those lyrics and, and, and they're both intertwined with the song. Uh, I, I just think it's a, an incredible record. Uh, and like I've told you, man, this, this album is just kick ass. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be huge, man. <laughs> well, thanks. I could have spent man. the last hour and a half just telling you, uh, dude, this is awesome, dude! It's so good. It is great. Uh, I got the tech. I got the text chain. I got written. I got written reminders from you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, um, I know. Uh, you know, the guys had to hop off the call towards the end there, but they're they were in a, a co-write uh, that kind of popped up. So, um, they I, I know they loved being on the hook rocks and, um. I always love coming on this podcast. You're one of my favorite podcasters. So uh, we, I'm just glad that you took such an interest in the record and I'm glad that uh, you give us this platform to do a long form discussion and have a little fun and talk about music and tell stories. And I think it's really, 
really a cool way for your listeners and our fans to, to uh, connect closer to the music. You know, that's what it's really all about, right? Is our own personal connection to, uh, to the music. And, you know, instantly when I heard it and when I really started deep dive, because, you know, you listen to it first, you're just listening and then you'd give it the car test, which by the way, anyone listening, this does pass it with flying colors. You always know a great rock album when it, when it sounds awesome in your car. And then when you really start to listen and hone in on lyrics and you start to really kind of get it, um, that's when the album really becomes special. Uh, I still remember when I, I think I texted you, I was coming over a hill, coming back uh, from dropping my son off and it was right at dusk. And it was, you know, one of those winter nights or I think it was before winter it started. I think it was some point in December where the colors are just absolutely incredible in the, in the sky. It's got purples and reds and different shades of reds and everything. And I was just coming over the hill and the opening riff started for, for step aside. And it just, it just hit me. It was like, wow, like this is so powerful. And, you know, I think that's when I went from, from me freaking like totally into this album to like having that, that special connection with the music. Yeah. It's, um, it's been so much fun too. Like from my perspective, you, you, you brought up in this podcast a couple of times, like visually, you know, like, like, visually connecting with the music and, and uh, having pictures and things come into your head, like while you're listening to it, like it's been a lot of fun making music videos for this record. Um, like we did a, we did a Western for step aside, which was just, which was a dream of mine come true. Like absolutely. I was so excited. And the fact that it came together uh, was truly a miracle, but um you know, like just con- trying to connect this record with visual things has been inspiring for me and inspiring for the band. And it's, it's just been so much fun. This record from start to finish has been so much fun and not to say the last records haven't, but each, each of our records in our past has um, encapsulated a time in our career. You know, Magic Valley was the beginnings that was our first major label debut we you know we we were out in la all the time like we were these country dudes that were going to la and that was magic valley encapsulates that that time in our lives and then community in was really it was uh, a little bit of a darker time where we had gotten dropped from said label and we were we didn't know our future we didn't know like all we knew was we wanted to make music and community in encapsulated that time in our lives. And I think this record is really inspiring because it encapsulates, you know, the COVID situation, but it also encapsulates us, I think moving forward into something new and exciting and um, just really proud of all the visuals, all the music, everything that we've accomplished has been, it's just been so fun. So um, this record, I think, is encapsula- encapsulating a lot of fun in our lives, even though it's it was conceived during a very dark time. But that was like Landon said before, that was kind of the point is that we were in such a low spot that we wanted to make a record that made us feel better. <laughs> so that's the whole the whole premise, the whole mission statement of See Where the Night Goes is, hey, let's make a record that makes you know us feel better. 
So we hope, we hope our listeners and our fans and your fans, and we hope anyone who checks out this record is, um, looks, looks at it through that lens and hopefully it, man, hopefully it makes your life better. Hopefully you get a party a little bit, get drunk to, to baby I'm back, or, uh, maybe you're working out, you know, you're doing deadlifts to breathe an attack or you're, you know, you're, uh, <laughs> or you're laying in bed crying to uh, what I need, but hopefully it makes your life better. You know, it's uh, it's definitely an album that has something for everyone. Um, you know, I always uh, my highest rating is a for any album is always a holy shit album, and it it, uh, it definitely hits that. Um, it, it really is something special, and I think the band should be extremely proud of the music that they've done on this album, because I, I think um, artistically uh, you guys seem even more connected than you normally are. Uh, it's an album that uh, will, will you like you like, uh, like we talked about in the beginning, you put this on at a party at a barbecue in the summer and you won't have to turn it off uh, because I think everybody right. will be into it. And it's a fun record and we need some fun times um, there's some personal stuff on the album too, but I think the whole vibe of it is, uh, is a positive one. And I think, uh, it's a perfect time to release this album. Well, thanks. Well, we're excited. We've been, we've been, um, sitting on it for a little while, trying to wait, find the right time in, uh, February, 2022. Here it comes late in a couple of weeks from, uh, I don't know when this podcast will air, but it's going to be February, 2022. And, um, we hope everybody, you can, uh, there, we, we're doing like limited edition vinyls. We're doing uh, special merchandise. We're doing a lot of cool things. And, um, yeah, for, just for the, check. for, for the vinyl lovers out there, the guys that collect vinyl, I know I've got a lot of them. Um, go to earache and see what they have. The, the vinyls look beautiful. They look yeah, gorgeous. They, they do really, they do really, they do a great job at special edition vinyl and they only, they only do, they do limited runs. So, uh, there might only be a couple hundred of each vinyl uh, or something to that extent. And then it all uh, transitions to black, you know, standard black vinyl. So um, it's kind of cool, kind of special. I personally like the white one. That's the one I'm getting uh, sent to me. Uh, the white vinyl. Uh, I think I ordered the blue. Yeah. Well, the blue yeah. one's dope too, but uh, the yeah. I, th- I thought the white was dope with all the white, you know, everything's kind of white on white on white. So nice. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, thank you so much for having us on the podcast and, um, we're big fans of yours and hopefully maybe in the future, maybe mid touring season, we can check back in, let you know how it's going, send you some pictures or, um, let you know how the next record, uh, next record's coming along. (laughs) How's, uh, what's next for you guys? I mean, is, you know, what's the, what's the the tour going to be? So, uh, we just booked, we're doing some shows with our friends, bad flower, uh, in March. And then we're doing some shows with our friends in April, uh, about a month with them called whiskey Myers, uh, incredible Texas band, um, super inspiring guys, very, uh, DIY, just an incredible story incredible inspiration for any young bands out there check them out dig into their history they're really a special band they, they inspired me to do a lot more uh diy things 
And same thing with Badflower too. It's those guys are so DIY. It's it's incredible. But um, so yeah, just going out with some of our friends to begin uh, the year, and then I'm sure we're going to get hit the. Like I said, we just literally today, the day that this podcast was recorded, uh, we just hit number one um, in the UK on with three chords on uh, one of the biggest rock stations over there. So usually what that means is that there's imminent tour dates coming <laughs> for the UK. So I'm sure uh, we'll be booking some UK things and some continental Europe things uh, soon. I know we have some festivals lined up, so... Hopefully what I'm hoping is that we have a really full 2022. Um, but so far the spring is looking pretty good. We have, we have about 20 dates in the spring so far. So I think that number is going to go up quite a bit. So any, we'll see. Uh, any news on Chicago? Chicago, Chicago's, Chicago's always in it, man. Chicago's okay. always, right. always in the mix. Uh, we, do, what we're struggling with is we don't know if we want to support or we don't know if we, if we want to go out and headline. So that's like uh, a business decision that we're gonna we're gonna be making soon with the Midwest and and the South. South and Midwest we do really well in. So, um, but uh, like I said, Whiskey Myers and Bad Flower, we're gonna be supporting those guys coming up. It's gonna be a ton of fun. Uh, you can see dates on their website, on our website, and uh, yeah, we'll be announcing stuff too. Probably by the time this this podcast airs we'll be we'll be we'll have way more dates announced so just uh go to goodbyejune.com backslash tour uh just google it uh it, it all comes up pretty easy so uh we love we consider ourselves a live band so please come buy a ticket uh we do our best to hang out with our fans after the sets like at the merch table so we'll sign stuff and hang out and take pictures and maybe drink a beer with you and uh have a good time that sounds awesome. The new album, See Where the Night Goes, out February 18th, a week from Friday, a week from today when uh, as this podcast airs. So check it out. Go pre-order your vinyl, your CD on Earache Records. Check out the new video for Three Chords. What I love about it is you see them actually have the the, the chords plugged in to the amps, which is uh, kind of the old school way. Uh, check out their first single step aside as Tyler talked about the Western. You also have stand and deliver and you also have the other, the, the beautiful track on the album as they're all beautiful, we should say. Uh, but check out, uh, what I need and, uh, you will definitely not be disappointed. And also to the title track, see where the night goes. And you'll know what I'm talking about when, uh, you get to smell, New Orleans when you're listening to this song. So Tyler, <laughs> thanks very much for doing this. Always a pleasure. You, this is the fourth time you've been on. You've you've now reached superstar status. Yeah, I'm a I'm a veteran. I'm you're a veteran. Uh, yeah. There's only like two or three other people that have been on four times. So, uh, uh, well, let's. I'll I'll make it five here here in a couple of months. Hopefully, awesome. I'll make it back on. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks again for doing it. Uh, appreciate uh, your time. Brandon's time, Landon's time, and uh, good luck with the new album. Okay. Thanks, Jay. All right, everybody. That's Tyler Baker from Goodbye June, earlier joined by Landon and Brandon, too, as well. They had to run. They're in a writing session right now, but glad to have them on as long as we did. Um, go check out the album. I'm telling you, February 18th, see where the night goes. Goodbye June. 
Take care of each other. We'll talk soon. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.